0: Good morning. I was blessed to hear that song about five o'clock in the morning out on the mountain hunting with Randall and tim and we had uh, we had for the first time in my life ever ridden a horse without being able to see where that horse was going <clears throat> and uh, it gives a whole new perspective when you're riding down a mountain and uh, you don't know where that horse is stepping, and you don't know if he's going to fall, and you don't know a whole lot about what you're going to do other than just hang on. And uh, to hear that song and realize that, you know, we don't have to, we don't really have to be afraid of the long, hard ride that we call this life, right? Man, we we go through this life pretty blind. We don't want to go through this life pretty blind. We want to know what tomorrow is going to hold, and we want to know how we're going to handle things, and we want to know how we're going to provide for ourselves, and we want to make sure that we don't ever end up rolling down a hill somewhere unbeknownst to us, but there's no way around it because we simply aren't God, but we don't have to be afraid, right, because of who Christ is in our lives. Well, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 34 this morning. been an incredible week, just for me to see God working in so many different ways um, man, last Sunday night, we shared at the at the ne- or of the Jordan bank with that you know we just really feel God calling us to refocus on reaching Casper, making an impact in our city it's not like we haven't been doing that, but you know you always think about. Um, just the fact that we live among an, a lost city. And I know people, people really recoil at that thought. When you begin to talk about your friends and you begin to talk about your neighbors and you begin to talk about your coworkers, people recoil at the thought that we live among a lost people. Because, you know, the old thing is is that they couldn't be lost. They're so nice. Or they couldn't be lost because they're hard workers. Or they couldn't be lost because they take care of their family or they can't be lost because you know if they're all lost and it's that overwhelming then man uh, there's got to be some brokenness in my life and I really don't want to see that and I really don't want to deal with that and I really don't want to even have to process the thought that we live among a majority of people that are lost without hope. I I mean they're lost without hope. They don't understand what it means to put their faith in a living God and have security in their life. They don't understand what it means to be loved unconditionally. They don't understand what it means to have victory over sin that's devastating their lives. And they certainly don't have any assurance of everlasting life, even though they often have some form of justification for what's happening in their life. I mean, these people that we live among, while they might be nice to us and they might be good husbands or wives and they might be good students or whatever we want to say about them, and they are lost. And uh, it's been a week of dealing with lostness and dealing with some that that have been saved and coming out of lostness and dealing with people that are Christians and have overwhelming needs. It's just been one of those crazy weeks for me throughout the whole time, and as I think about the Word of God often, I mean, I, I really do try to put the Word into application in my life and into my ministry, because there's a whole bunch of empty ministry being done today, and, and I don't mean that in a mean way, but there's a whole bunch of people that, that have claimed... To know Jesus Christ as Lord of all. And they even claim Him as the Lord of their life. And yet, when they talk about trials, and they talk about needs, and they talk about obstacles, and they talk about sickness, or they talk about financial loss, or they talk about hurts, they don't, they don't talk about God like He's the answer. They don't talk about Jesus like he's the all-sufficient one. They don't tell people that Jesus Christ really is the hope of this world. And if you look to him, you've found everything you need. That's not how we minister today. Because honestly, somehow we have, we have convinced ourselves maybe that suffering and needs and obstacles and trials... Are, are somehow separated from our faith in, in Jesus Christ. And so we can moan and groan and complain about these obstacles and live as if they are overwhelming to us and there's no answer, while at the same time claiming to believe in Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, you can't do that. You can't do that. Number one, you can't know the King of kings and Lord of lords. You can't know Him. And believe that he's something less. You either believe that he's something less and you don't know him, or you know him and believe that he is all you need. There's no compromise in there. There might be some struggles to maintain that faith. I understand that. But there's really no compromise. He either is God or he's not. We either trust him as God or we don't. And man, we need to get that set in our hearts but not only can we not live like that for us but man there's a world out there that needs the answer <clears throat> i'll talk some more about this in a little bit but man the last 2 days i have spent probably 3 or 4 hours with a man that i have man I've walked with and i consider him a friend and i love this guy man I love him and he is broken to pieces broken to pieces um so much has happened in this guy's life that I can't even tell you. And uh, one of the most heartbreaking things that he once ever said to me was said to me yesterday. Because when, as I've ministered to this guy, um, I've said to him, well, Christ is the answer. And, and you can turn to the Lord and find the answer. You can trust him. He can deliver you. You can trust him. He can can overcome in your life. You can trust him and find peace in your life. And I spent Friday afternoon with him, talking to him. Yesterday morning, talking to him. And yesterday evening, as I was studying for this morning, he called me again. And so he's telling me again what's going on. And I said, man. You've got to give yourself to Jesus. Here's a man that I would have told you was a believer, and maybe still is, I don't know. He's so broken, it's hard to know. But he says to me last night, Is that your answer? Is Jesus your answer to everything? I said, absolutely, Jesus is my answer. And he says to me, I wish I'd gone to Bible college so that I might have the answers all the time. As if somehow my Bible college background enables me to give an answer nobody else has. And uh and I got to tell you I kind of just stopped and I just said, "Look, man, I I know you're hurt, and I know you're broken, and I know you're messed up, I, and he is" So messed up. I said I, I don't know anything beyond the fact that I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner that by the grace of God has been saved by Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with my Bible college background or what I know through the Word of God. I'm a sinner and I'm saved. And that's all I have to stand on. It's all I have to hope in. But it is everything to me. It's everything to me. And man, as we, as we walk through this world and we talk about reaching our city or our state or our nation or our world, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the prosperity that we have in the United States. Honestly, our prosperity has cost us our witness more times than not. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. And, and I want you today, if, if you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to think, are you rejoicing in Jesus Christ? Now, do you really know Him? Do you really know Him as the one that is the answer to your needs? Are you somehow playing this game, this, this pretend game, That you hold up this facade over you that says, I believe in Jesus. But deep down in your heart, you've never walked with Him. You've never experienced His power in your life. You've never found a security in Christ. And when you minister or refuse to minister, uh, there's no base to your ministry. Because, man, we have a reason to rejoice in Jesus Christ every day if we know Him. Psalm 34 is where we're looking this morning. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. He, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers Him out of them all. He keeps all His bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of His servants and none of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. Let's pray together. As we look into Your Word this morning. The need that we have for You, Lord, is greater than any word could express. We are not victorious on our own we cannot provide for all of our needs on our own we cannot control the circumstances that swirl around us on our own we cannot lord god minister to those that are broken on our own we are a people who need you and i ask lord god that you would humble us and even if necessary break us to the place where we would need You and where we would turn to You rather than rejecting You in our pride and our arrogance. I ask, Lord God, that we would be a people of praise, those of us that claim to know You, those of us that have experienced salvation through faith in Jesus, that we would be a people of praise for who You are, regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in, that we would be a people that point others to the answer which is Jesus Christ to all things. As we open your word this morning Lord I ask for you to speak your words for your glory and I ask that you would give us the grace to respond as you speak and I pray in Jesus name amen. This psalm is a great psalm in that it is a response of David to God working in his life. And it's a response to something that I've always considered one of the, the crazy things in the scriptures. I mean, it was written after David had been run out of Jerusalem by Saul. David is the second king of Israel. Saul was the first king of Israel. And Saul had disobeyed God. And God had told him, I'm going to tear the kingdom from you and your family. And I'm going to give it to a man after my own heart. And then God had sent the prophet, to anoint David, his chosen man, to be king of Israel. Yet even though he was now the anointed king of Israel, Saul is still on the throne. And Saul's jealous of David because David is a mighty man of God. He's also a mighty warrior. The women sing the praise of Saul by saying he has killed his thousands, but they sing the praise of David by saying he has killed his ten thousands. And this jealous, bitter, wicked man tormented by an evil spirit scripture says Saul begins to hate David more and more to the place where he desires to kill him and David is forced to leave and David is on the run from Saul and he he runs and literally goes to the Philistine city of Gath which is one of the hated places for the Israelites and yet David ran there to find refuge perhaps protection from this king of Gath, and when he gets there, he hears the advisors of Abimelech, or Achish, depending on the translation that you have, the king of Gath, he hears the advisors saying, is not David the one they sing about? Isn't David the one that they say, Saul the king today kills his thousands, but David kills his ten thousands, and David realizes that, man, he has run right into One of the most dangerous situations he's ever going to find. He's in a city with a small group of men and they realize that he could be their number one enemy. I love what the Bible says that David does in response to hearing this from the advisors of Achish. He begins to act crazy and he begins to scribble on the doors of the city and he begins to drool till his spittle, it says, is running down into his beard. Now, I like that because I have a beard. And, you know, just the thought of just all the nasty, gooey stuff dripping off your beard and your craziness as your hair's all freaked out. I mean, that's just kind of funny, actually. I have really always enjoyed that story. But literally, because of his, his quick thinking, if you will, David's creativity, if you will, the king says, man, i got enough crazy guys i don't need this guy in my house and they run him out of Gath and david escapes well this is his response and it's a little bit different response because man for most of us we'd be we'd be lauding our own creativity wouldn't we but i was quick thinking sure i'm glad i came up with that plan man that was awesome Isn't that the American way to to begin to talk about how good we are and to begin to talk about how creative we are and to begin to talk about how quick thinking we are? Aren't we glad we delivered ourselves from that situation, man? We are just awesome. We begin telling everybody we know about how good we are. But that wasn't David's response. And David's response was simple. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord, and the humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Man, David's response to this craziness that he had come up with is that God delivered me. And because God delivered me, man, I'm going to exalt Him, and I'm going to bless His name at all times. I love his response. It's not hard. It's not hard. David's response is the response of those that know God. Not the response of those that know about God, or not the response of those that would like to know God. David's response is the response of those that know God. Those that know God know that He is integrally involved in our lives in all circumstances at all ways. He understands that whether we came up with a plan on our mind or whether we prayed about it or whatever happened, that it's God that ultimately leads us and it's God that ultimately delivers us and it's God that ultimately provides for us and it's God who's ultimately there for us. And David doesn't even begin to try to take the credit for this great deliverance on his own. He says, man, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to bless Him at all times. I'm going to bless Him when I'm in the trials. I'm going to bless Him when I'm out of the trials because no matter where I'm at, He's the one providing. He's the one protecting. He's the one sustaining. He's the one guiding. He's the one. He's the one. God's the one. God's the good one. God's the great one. God's the creative one. God's the one. Man, that's the kind of life we need to live as believers There's only one answer. I don't care what circumstance you're in. I don't care what trial you're in. I don't care where you're at, what you're going through. I don't care if you need finances. I don't care if you're in the hospital. I don't care if you're dying. I don't care if your kids are rebellious. I don't care what you're going through. There's an answer. And if you don't know it, as a so-called believer in Jesus Christ, I promise you the lost world will not know it. They can't know it. But you and I should know the answer. And it's not an empty answer. It's not a cheap answer. It's not this crazy, wild, thinking answer. It's truth. Absolute truth. Do you believe that? Uh-huh. So are you praising Him today like crazy? you lifting Him up in your life and singing praises to Him? Are you pointing the hurting to him and the broken to him? Are you looking at him as the answer in your circumstances? Because, man, David, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Continually be in my mouth. Man, Beth and I were blessed yesterday afternoon to talk to Dawn Sheehan. We've prayed for her many times, and, and man, God is working in her life. And it was so cool to talk to Dawn. First time I've got to talk to her since she got home. And, and things still aren't right. I mean, she's still got things that aren't right in her life. She's still doing uh, dialysis. They think her kidneys are going to start working, but they don't know. And, you know, it's a, it's a pain in the rear to go to dialysis. And she's, she's still struggling with some physical issues. She's still struggling with the whole just recovering emotionally issue. But, you know, you know what Dawn said? And I, I love this. And she just said... Man, all I can do is just praise God. She said, I was laying in bed after I woke up. And she said, I, I couldn't walk yet. I had to learn how to rewalk. I, I couldn't do simple things like go to the bathroom on my own. I even had to relearn how to do those things. I, I couldn't answer the phone. I, I, she said, I couldn't even think about anything but this. She said, all I could lay there and do was go thank you, God, 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 thank you, God. That's all I could do. And she said, you know, if I'm on dialysis for the rest of my life, if that's the worst that comes out of this thing, then so be it. My God, has been good to me. Do you know how refreshing that is to hear from a believer? Because you know how many times I hear the other side of that? which is this. Why would God take me through this? Why would God make me suffer? Why would God put me in this place? Why would God be unfair? Why would God, where's God? Why isn't God what I want Him to be? I hear that probably eight times out of ten. I don't hear the other very often. And I'm not teasing you. I'm not making it up. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I see this stuff all the time. And I try to spend my time in ministry to people in what I would describe as trying to defend the integrity of God. I don't have to defend the integrity of God. Because if you know Him as Lord and Savior, you have been saved from sin and judgment and wrath. And He is walking with you and He loves you. And even if you are placed in horrific circumstances... You have a reason to praise your God. And you should be. You should be praising Him in all circumstances. Well, then he tells them why he's praising the Lord. Verses 4-7. through I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him. And rescues them. Man, there's a reason why we ought to be praising God today. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. David said, look, man, I needed help. I was in a bad way. I was in a foreign city in an enemy land. I went there on my own. I mean, don't think David didn't miss that. He went there on his own thinking he would find deliverance in the enemy city only to find himself overwhelmed what a great picture of sin is it not i mean is it not we make bad decisions and end up in bad places whether we're believers or not and we cry out to god for help and he hears us and he delivers us does he deliver us Uh uh-huh are you sure i mean where's the evidence in your life that you know god delivers you Where's the evidence in your life that you know God hears your prayers? Where's the evidence? I don't make light of this thing. Man, talk is cheap. Talk means nothing. To say something with your lips is as easy as anything in the world. Where is your cry for help? Where is your recognition of need? Where is your faith in that if you cry out for help, that the Lord God Almighty is going to hear your prayer? Because David says, man, I I cried. I was in need and I cried. I didn't bellyache. I didn't whine. I didn't fuss about God. I didn't blame God. I didn't do all the things that we as Americans who believe we are entitled to absolute comfort and never have any struggles and never have any trials. We didn't whine and cry, David said. I cried out. And the Lord heard and he delivered. And he says, this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. What a great description. Of the King of Israel, hand chosen, mighty warrior, this poor man cried out. And the God delivered him out of all his troubles. Man, it's high time for us to not just recognize who God is, but begin to recognize who we are. Do you know why we despair most times when trials come? We despair because we recognize. That we are not enough to overcome the trials in our life on our own. And we are not enough to provide for all of our needs on our own. But we don't believe in God enough to know that He is. And so here we're in this dilemma now, right? We're not enough for ourselves and we don't believe that God's enough for us. So we're despairing instead of rejoicing. We are moaning and groaning instead of praying And we live our lives saying with our lips we love God and He's enough for us, but with our hearts and minds and actions, we're saying plainly we don't think He is. Listen, I'm not trying to just indict you if that's you. I'm trying to tell you that you're missing God if that's you. I'm trying to tell you you have an answer if that's you. There's only one answer. One answer. Like I told my friend, one answer. And that's Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. And my friend, he tells me yesterday that he thinks he has a, a demonic spirit in his home. And then he tells me, well, I think it, maybe it's a good spirit. He's, he's incredibly confused right now. So last night we're talking some more. And he says to me, he says, I think I did something that I shouldn't have done. But I'm too embarrassed to tell you. And uh, I said, well, I can't help you if you don't tell me. He says, well, I challenged the devil to prove himself to be real to me. And he did. And he said, I have this spirit in my home, speaks to me, calls my name. And he says, and I'm hiding in my covers because I'm scared. What am I supposed to do? And that's when I told him, I said, man, you got it. I only know one that has the power over evil, has a power over all spiritual realms. I only know one, and that's Jesus that's when he says to me, is that your answer for everything? <laughs> and, and here the conversation's too long to go into, and I know some people think that it's just ridiculous to even talk about demons and the devil and so forth. But the conversation goes on with this guy, and as I tell him about Jesus, he begins to tell me, well, I don't know if I buy all that Jesus stuff. And he begins to tell me, I don't know if I believe in judgment anymore. And he goes on to tell me, I, I believe we're all going to live forever and it doesn't matter what we do and, and I don't think we need to cry out to Jesus. and I'm just giving you some snippets of how confused this guy is. And I, I said, well, didn't you tell me you had a demonic spirit in your home? Yeah, but maybe that's not bad. I said, Well, then why are you hiding in your covers if it's not bad if it's not evil? well, because it scares me, so it's good, but it scares you well, maybe it's not good, no it's not good. And trust me it's not good and i I say to him again, man you gotta you gotta cry out to Christ, set you free from this, and then he tells me that he's been reading books by some psychic. And then it all begins to click with me. That he has begun to let blatant false teaching begin to impact his life. And all of a sudden the false teaching of the world and of man and of self and of crazy garbage has infiltrated his life to where I honestly... I'm telling you, as I sat on the phone talking to this guy, realized the voice I was hearing from this guy wasn't certainly God's voice. It was the voice of the evil one. There's no doubt about it. And You guys can tell me I'm a fruitcake if you want to. It's okay. But here is what happened. Because of false teaching. Because of his own understanding. Because of whatever rebellion is taking place in his life, because of whatever garbage you want to roll it all into, now instead of crying out for help to the only one who can help, he won't. And because of that, he is just being destroyed. Now I want to know, are you crying out for help to the one who can help you Or have you let the false teachings of whatever entity it's come from, whether it's come from your own background, whether it's come from your family, whether it's come from school, whether it's come from a place of work, whatever false teaching has come your way, are you letting that impact a simple, profound truth that says you're not God? There's one God that we know through His Son, Jesus Christ, He's the only answer for every situation. And are you willing to cry out to Him? Because honestly, all of our great blessings that we have been given in this nation have ripped us from that truth. It's no wonder believers don't rejoice anymore. It's no wonder believers don't pray anymore. It's no wonder believers are upset and angry and bitter and frustrated anymore because... For whatever reasons, we've let things rip us from the truth that Jesus Christ is the answer. Listen to what he says, and I'll close. I know I'm going long, but listen to what he says in verses 8-10. through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for to those who fear Him there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. And David, I love as he goes through the psalm, he's praising God in all circumstances. He's telling them why he's praising them. He's turned to the Lord, and the Lord has delivered him. It's God that has set him free. And then he looks to the people that he's leading and the, the people that he's influencing. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't live your life without coming before the lord and experiencing his goodness man i liken it to when my children were little you know you'd put something on the plate in front of them and if it didn't look just right they were like ew my wife is still that way oh <laughs> i'm like baby just try it right kids just try it oh we're not gonna try it it's too risky if we try it it might be nasty Right? So let's just not try it. Let's stick with what we know. Right? Did you hear what I just said? Let's stick with what we know. Listen, if you stick with what you know, which is yourself and your abilities and the world and their ways, and you never humble yourself before the living God, and you put your hands in His control, which is what it means to taste of Him, To put yourself under His control. Even if you don't understand it. Even if you don't know what's going to happen. The only way to taste the Lord God Almighty is to come before Him and say, here's my life, Lord. I'm going to trust You. Until you do that, you won't taste how good God is. Until you do that, all you'll taste is what you know. And that is so unsatisfying. It's so empty to have what we already know is not enough. And so he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then I love this description. "Is how blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear Him, the Lord, you His saints, for to those who fear Him there is no want. Man, God is calling us to a life of faith. As Americans, we reject that at so many levels that it's terrifying to me. I've ministered to some brand new believers this week that are they're just still filled up with all those barbs that the world has had in them. And when you begin to deal with a new believer, God wants to take the barbs out. But it's painful to take a barb out. To take a bar out might mean breaking off a relationship that has meant something to you, even though it's a bad relationship. To take a bar out might mean giving up something you've been doing that you enjoy. To take a bar out means that you're going to have to do what we're talking about here, which is give God control of your life and trust that His ways are better. That's the only way you get to taste God and see if He is good if you have financial needs, you've got to give your life to Jesus and see if He won't meet your needs. He may not do what you want, but you've got to see if He won't provide for you. If you're sick, and I mean sick, you've got to put your hands in Christ's hands and trust Him to either heal you or if you die, trust Him to give you eternal life. Man, if you're lost... And you don't know God. Yes, you're going to have to come to the place where you say, I believe, even though I don't have all the answers, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. And so, Jesus, here's my life. I'm going to trust you completely to save me, forgive me, and lead me, and guide me. Man, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I, I love what he says in verse 10, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Man as strong as a young lion would be. He can't. He can't provide for himself. They lack and suffer hunger. But those who trust in the Lord, they will they will not want for any good thing. And I really do believe that with all my heart. Every ounce of my being. I believe in the depth of suffering. I will not want for any good thing. Because the good thing, the one good thing that is sufficient for me at all times is my Savior, Jesus Christ. No matter what I go through. Do you know Him? Do you know Him <clears throat> to the depth? that He's your satisfaction. Because if you don't, taste and see. Taste and see. He won't let you down. It won't be spinach. It will be good. It'll satisfy. Jesus Christ, He loves you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You. I thank You for the simplicity of Your Word. But Lord, it is is life to us. It's power to us. It's hope for us. It's salvation to us. And I ask, Lord, that you would draw us to you. To those who are afraid this morning, I pray that they would give their fear to you, Lord Jesus. You are our rock and our shield, our strong tower and our fortress. To those who are needy this morning, You are the God who provides, and your resources are limitless. To those who are sick and broken, you are the God that heals. To those who are overwhelmed and in distraught, you are the God who comforts. And Lord, those are just the small things that you have for us, because to those who are lost here this morning, to those who are still filled with the guilt of sin and under the condemnation of our living God. You are Savior. You are the one source of salvation. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would draw men and women to yourself today, that they might humble themselves and confess you as Lord and believe in their heart that God raised you from the dead, that they might be saved. Would you give us the grace to respond this morning? And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we respond to the Lord this morning.